On today's episode of Locked On Spartans, whew, that was a close one. The To The Moon parlay almost hits in its very first night. We're going to talk about, eh, no, not that. We're going to talk about Michigan State hanging tough with Iowa. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Spartans. It is Wednesday, February 3rd. The year is 2021. I'm your host, Will Hunter, not joined by my traveling co-host, Matt Sheehan. Matt is on the road and (laughs) he missed a good one. He, oh man. Matt, uh, Matt was looking forward to not having to watch that game, and you know, judging by the end result, we do this a lot with sports. Even if you have like a great, exciting back and forth game, if your team if your team loses, none of the stress was worth it, and you just hate everything. But if your team wins, it was all uh, the, the stress was wonderful, and it becomes a euphoric experience. I don't try. I, I try not to do that. I try to enjoy it in the moment as much as I can. So, you know, Michigan State's making their comeback back and forth. And like, I was really like enjoying it. I was having fun. And of course, I was bummed out when the Langford two missed. Uh, And then, of course, you know, foul free throw made and and the game was over from there. But I I like to think Matt would have almost died. I don't like to think I'm pretty sure Matt would have almost died had he had to watch that entire game. So I'm kind of glad he didn't, because I don't think he subscribes to my theory of try to enjoy the game while you're in it, and then the result's the result, you react to it after, and, and don't let it impact the, the fun you had watching the game. Matt doesn't do that. Matt, uh, Matt's a little different. So I'm kind of glad that he was driving for this one. I hope he didn't have it on the radio, because I think he was actually driving the car, and he may have, I don't know. <laughs> It started speeding like 97 miles per hour with the speed limit, just dying, not knowing what's going on. Okay, we are going to talk about that game. I think I think there's a lot of positives to actually take from it, and I don't want to sort of jump the gun and be like, hey, this is fixed. Right? Yeah, you play with Iowa. You play with the top 10 team on the road at their place. Comes down to the last shot. Everything's a-okay. I don't want to do that. But I do think there are tangible changes, differences that we saw in this game that can help moving forward. And maybe, maybe there's a couple games down the stretch now that you can look at and be like, hey, home Ohio State, maybe, Away Iowa, home uh, or home Iowa, away Purdue, away Indiana, maybe, maybe home Penn State. Yeah, you, you know, like some of these games, just with that one sort of result, even though it's a loss, start to feel a little bit more realistic maybe. So I do want to talk about that, some of the things that I thought uh, can have some carryover to it. So that's what we'll do. That's the plan for today's show. Reminded to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. You can find Locked On Spartans wherever you get your podcast. We do this every single day, five days a week, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. I'd be remiss 
if I didn't start the show with the to the moon parlay, dollar to the moon parlay. If you don't know, this was started by Matt Sheehan and he coined the phrase as well. He actually sent me a text message in in sequential order. We need to think of a name for this parlay, dollar to the moon parlay, like back to back, just like that. Like he thought of it instantly and I was like, yep, that's the name. Perfect. So he just threw out there a, a four-team parlay. Michigan State, all just straight up to win, all four big underdogs. Michigan State, Georgia, Iowa State, South Carolina State. Now, the first three are kind of normal, mediocre, like five to ten point underdogs, like winnable. South Carolina State, 0-14 on the season, one of the worst teams in college basketball. And we're like 17 point dogs. And so the result was a bet that if all four teams won, you would bet $1. And depending on what odds you got, what site you're on, it was anywhere between like $1,500 and $2,000 to win. Bet $1, win 1500 to 2000 Total prayer. Uh, and so Matt took it, coined the phrase. I took it and a, a bunch of people started taking it. Some of you guys started taking it. And oh my God. If it didn't come right down to the wire, South Carolina State, the Bulldogs, scrappy as hell, haven't beaten a team all season, get beat by like 15 points a game, are leading like the whole game, and have the ball down one last possession, and just someone told me it was they got fouled and it didn't get called. Someone said it was just a terrible possession. Either way, they lose coming down to the wire. It was devastating. They allowed us to dream. The Bull, Georgia Bulldogs won. Iowa State ended up losing, I think, by two. Like They had the ball with the last possession as well, and, of course, Michigan State lost. But like there was a moment there where there was a minute or two minutes left in every single game, and Georgia's winning by, like, seven. Iowa State's down two. South Carolina State is up two. Michigan State's tied with Iowa, and we felt alive. We were able to dream for the first time in ages, and it was absolutely beautiful. So I think we're going to continue doing that. Dollar to the moon parlay. Hashtag dollar to the moon parlay. It is a trademarked phrase. If it's not yet, we're going to trademark it. Matt's going to trademark that. And we might even call Homefield up and demand they make some t-shirts for us. But that was an absolute thrill ride uh, for anyone who was dumb enough to just take that stupid bet. And two hours later, like, oh my God, I might turn a dollar into $2,000. So that was a lot of fun. As for the game you came here to hear about, Michigan State goes to Iowa, and uh, like one of their better games of the season, right? I mean, Rutgers, uh, home Rutgers, that win was uh, a pretty good, complete beatdown effort. Other than that, it's been since December, you know? I mean, the team only won two games in January and obviously haven't won in February, and it's been since December 13th when they started losing after that. But, like... You know, they weren't very impressive against Western or Oakland or Detroit or, you know, they fiddled around with Eastern. They had stretches against Notre Dame where they looked really good and stretches against Duke where they looked really good. And you remember, they were up like 13 or 14 on Duke with just a few minutes left, and that ended up being a six-point game. But it was much more uh, a dominant performance from MSU than that. But I thought this was one of their best games of the season just kind of all around. And... It ends up, oh, I don't have the final score in front of me. What was it, like 82-76, I think? Um, it ends up whatever it was, but, you know, Josh Langford with 
15, 20 seconds left, has a mid-range jumper, and if it goes down, the game's tied and very likely potentially going to overtime, and it was 84-78. And if, you know, it doesn't go down and a a few free throws later, and it's a six-point game, but that was a one-possession game pretty much on average throughout the game. Michigan State's up. Iowa's up. It never really got a balloon lead for anyone. It was a really really good game to watch. And I thought Michigan State played really well on both sides of the floor. They had mistakes, certainly. They didn't do a great job on the defensive glass. That'll happen, right? Luca Garza, pretty good, right? Pretty good at that end of the floor. Um, Nunji is also, like, just percentage-wise, and he doesn't play a ton, um, but he is someone who can absolutely get after it on the offensive glass. Actually, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, Nunji had four. There it is. I was like, wait a second, because Garza only had two. Nunji and then Murray had four as well. So not the best defensive rebounding effort, but on the other side, Michigan Michigan State grabbed 20 offensive rebounds, man. They grabbed 20 offensive rebounds. So they definitely did some things well, and well, they had 42 rebounds in total, and Iowa had 38. So, you know, you end up winning the rebounding margin, but I think percentage-wise a little bit better for Iowa there. Uh, But there were a lot of really positive things to take from this. Aaron Henry was pretty outstanding. 24 points on 16 shots, 4 or 5 from deep, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, steal, a block, a few turnovers, uh, but was great. Hauser played pretty well, had some defensive moments where you're like, hit a couple shots though, got a, a one and one, had nine rebounds to go with his 10 points. Langford, I'm going to save Josh. I thought Josh, like, yeah, I know he just missed some freaking open shots, but he ended up going three of six from deep. He just shot two of 10 from two, which I'm going to bring that up in a little bit. But overall, I thought it was a pretty good performance, certainly better than we've seen from them of late. And there's no moral victories they need to start racking up wins against good teams now. They needed to start doing it against Purdue and Rutgers and Ohio State, but they absolutely need to do it now. The t- the clock is ticking. Like I, This game's not going to impact them in terms of like, oh, they're further away from the bubble. It's going to be a net wash because you hung close on the road against a really good team, but like it's not going to count for anything. You can't put... Lost by six to uh, at Iowa and and your best wins thing right when it, your your NCAA tournament resume comes up it can't say best win dot 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 six point road loss to Iowa right you got to start getting some wins they're gonna have some chance to do that and after this game maybe they inspire a little confidence that they can. I'm not all the way there yet, but I will tell you a few things that I think are tangible that will carry over and are a little bit of a reason for optimism. We'll do that here in just a second. First word from Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, but you already knew that. We tell you that all the time in the new and improved formula is even more delicious. I'm telling you, like, it's strange, but this carrot cake protein bar is just great. I don't know if it's a it's a me thing. Uh, my taste buds are odd. You know, I like the normal stuff. The caramel brown is good. Peanut butter brown is good. Cookies and cream is good. Like all the traditional stuff, you're like, yeah, that's good. But man, 
That carrot cake bar absolutely slaps. They have 18 amazing flavors. Every bar is covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew, and they're not just delicious on your taste buds. They are delicious on your body. They are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. And right now, you can try them out. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKDOWN. One word, LOCKDOWN, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today. It's a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so there were definitely some things that, you know, positives, negatives, like, okay, how much is really going to carry over? What from that game is something tangible, something real, something that we feel is like, okay, yeah, it's February. We're really running out of time very quickly, but maybe a little bit of hope mixed in there. Maybe a little bit of like, hey, that was pretty good. I do think there's one big thing that was obvious from the jump, and I think it made a big difference, and that was Michigan State's tempo on offense. They were deliberate about going as fast as they could. And this is something, you know, we've seen spurts of it throughout the years always. Like, hey, wow, they're they're just running, trying to run on everything. And they ran a ton in this game. It, it felt like, like in the locker room or whatever, um, there was just like the, the, <laughs> the message was sent. We are going to run. We are going to get into the half court as fast as we can, or we're going to try to score in transition. And for the first like 12 minutes, they did that. Like they were running and running and and Iowa's defense was not getting back, not getting back to the right spots and just totally distorted. And this game actually ended up being kind of a middle of the pack pace game, despite the fact that Michigan state generally plays really fast. Iowa plays even faster yeah, I was one of the faster teams, top 40 in terms of offensive uh, pace. Michigan State 71 uh, after that game. So, you know, that's a game where, like, you know, this should be, like, the mid to high, se- like, low to mid, maybe high 70s in terms of possession. Like, they should go, go, go. Michigan State wanted that. You noticed is, I don't know, 8, 10 minutes into the game, Fran was like, okay, <laughs> we need to stop this. We're pressing. And they started a three-quarter uh, court press and just threw a couple different looks that way in Michigan State where they had to be much more deliberate and burn six, seven, eight seconds off the shot clock before they could even get to half court. And yeah, I mean, you extend your defense out that far, you kind of can leave yourself to vulnerabilities on long passes. But like, I don't think Michigan State really took a ton of advantage in that scenario. They weren't, you know, skipping the ball from beyond half court all the way down to the corner or anything like that to open shooters. There weren't really many situations like that. They just sort of broke the press slowly. And it wasn't, you know, an all-out aggressive, we're going to take the ball thing. I think it was purely slow them down. Iowa wanted to slow Michigan State down as much as they could. But when MSU was pushing and they were going, they looked great and they looked confident they looked in rhythm they looked like they knew exactly what they were doing and they weren't thinking like right this this is a team that 
it feels like they can overthink things uh, at times, especially on offense in the half court. You're like, okay, well, you, like, you got into lane and your brain froze. Why, why did that happen? That sort of stuff seemed like it went away the more Michigan State was able to mix some pace in there. And, you know, it makes sense. Aaron Henry's a guy that can kind of get in the flow and play fast and get into the lane. And if he's surveying too many options, like he can sometimes make mistakes. He travels or he gets stuck and ends up jump ball or whatever it is, makes a bad pass. Like it seemed like he really was flowing. And, and Josh Langford is someone who can get out on the wing and can make good shots and make good passes there. And then I don't know. Nobody's been really standing out in terms of like rim running centers. I guess Marble uh, a little bit, and I think Kithier can can do that some as well. They all should have the capability of doing it, frankly. But if you can add that middle drive element to the transition game, like I really think there could be something there where Michigan State has really struggled in the half court. Right? We're 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 all aware of that. We're all in tuned. Thirty-seven points against Rutgers. Only 62 and 70 possessions against uh, Ohio State, 54 against Purdue. The game before that hasn't been going great. This is actually Michigan State's first game above a point per possession since Nebraska, by the way. I think to ail some of those half-court offense issues, getting out in transition and being deliberate and aggressive about it can actually help. And... I think we saw that today. I think Foster Lawyer plays so much better in transition as point guard. I think, you know, we all sort of probably agree that if he's not hitting shots, his value is, right, like he's out there to hit shots, and he didn't uh, against Iowa. He went one of, I think, eight total and one of seven from three. Let me pull it up. Yeah. One of eight total, one of seven from three, but still had an offensive rating of 103 because he had three assists and didn't turn the ball over. And I think he just looked more comfortable in transition, got things going quicker, got the offense initiated, made good passes that, while they didn't end up as his assists, ended up sort of like hockey assists, like you know, kick it to Langford who kicks it to Henry, bucket. And we really, it just, he doesn't, he can't create in the pick and roll. He doesn't really create much in the half court. He can keep the ball moving, keep the rhythm and the offense flowing uh, in the half court. But beyond that, like, he's, he's got to get open and, and hit a shot to really make a contribution on offense. But today, last night, even though he was missing shots, I thought he did a good job pushing the ball and setting up some transition offense. And that's something like, hey, if you could get more out of him, that's, that's, pretty good because A.J. Hogard has really been struggling. Still have belief in him long-term, but he's a freshman. He's a kid, and he's going to have growing pains. We we expect that. You know, maybe a little bit more transition game can help Foster get going. He's, I, I, I refuse to believe that that kid's going to have another shooting light night like that, like at all this season. <laughs> he's still, you know, let me pull up his season long numbers now, where is he? Where is he on the thing? He's still, Oh man, he's down to 37% from three. Like he's so overdue to hit a bunch of threes. Like he's a, he shot 45% last year. His volume's up this year and he's at 37%. Like he's overdue. We know he can shoot better than that. Like he's, he's prime for like a three for four game. Anyway, the transition game running, especially you know, off of opponents made baskets, doesn't just have to be a rebound. Surprise them with the break like that. I really think can help Foster 
and that will help because as we talked about yesterday, like Michigan State doesn't really have a point guard right now that is capable of being anything more than just like moderately competent. Like sometimes Hogarth's competent, sometimes Lawyer's competent, sometimes Rocket Watts is competent at point guard. You rarely get stretches of like, hey, that was good, and I think you can get a little bit of that if Foster Lawyer's your point guard in transition, and I don't know, probably help Hogarth too. Because I know he's not like the uh, really quick or anything like that, but like transition, he's got a good feel, right? And transition can open up lanes. He can find passes that maybe uh, with that increased space, you know, wouldn't be there in the half court. He can do a little bit more creating, a little bit more distribution in the transition game as well. So I, I just think it's, it's beneficial for the entirety of MSU's offense, which has been an absolute nightmare. And for the first time in a long time, yes, Iowa, not a good defense. 78 points in 65 possessions against them is solid, but it's not like anything to write home about, but it still was a significant improvement. And, you know, a lot of it was kind of fueled by outstanding out of this world shooting early, but Michigan State really cooled off. I mean, they ended up 12 of 29, 41% from deep, and that's fine. But they went 10 of 15 from the line. They, they could have gotten there more times, especially considering that Iowa got there 35 times. Like, if a team gets to the free throw line 20 more times than you, <laughs> and you only lose by six, you know, you're doing some things right. So I think, you know, had Michigan State gotten a better whistle, they could have won this game. Had they hit a couple more twos, they could have won this game, right? So like, offensively, everything seemed kind of fine. Certainly an improvement, and I think the transition game certainly helped with that. All right, we're going to pause, come right back, and talk more about this game here and just kind of look forward to what does this mean? Are we feeling confident? Am I feeling confident? Do I think it's a moral victory, I guess? We don't we don't get moral victories here as Michigan State. We don't do moral victories. Do I think they can take confidence from this game and apply it to Nebraska, Penn State, the rest of their schedule moving forward and maybe get on a little bit of run here and save their season. We'll talk about that here in just a second. First word from betonline.ag. Super Bowl is this weekend, guys. Yes, the Super Bowl. And if you want to place a wager on the big game, there's only one place that we trust and one place that has you covered with all the best bets, and that is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use promo code LOCKDOWN for 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. So I got the list up right in front of me. The thing I love about Bet Online is they are second to nobody. Second to nobody in the prop in the props, okay? Here's just like a handful of them. What will be higher, Tom Brady interceptions or the waste management Phoenix open hole in ones? Right? That is like Brady's a big favorite there, but that might be a fun one. Color of the weekend's jacket when first seen, halftime, right? The weekend's first, uh, when you first see the weekend, will he have gloves on? So yes or no, like, man, will the weekend be- perform with bandages on his head? <laughs> will he be wearing sunglasses? Like, you could bet on damn near everything. Tom Brady, first uh, pass depth, right? Or first completion, distance of first TD pass, total TD passes, first interception, Will Tom Brady score a rushing team? Like, there's just so many. Um, first Anheuser-Busch brand commercial to run, right? Bud Light, Bud Light Seltzer Lemonade, Michelob Ultra, Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer. Those are your options, right? 
<laughs> first interracial couple shown white woman black man black woman white man <laughs> that is like these are things you can bet on it's absolutely wild what will be shown first an inter in a commercial an interracial couple or an lgb couple <laughs> lgbt couple it's just like absolutely insane you need to check it out betonline.ag if you want to get in on this action you can betonline.ag use promo code locked on one word locked on you're going to get a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts 2020 is mercifully over it's time for a fresh start and a few more wins if you're betting this year and want more wins listen to locked on bets with your boy q and lee sterling of paramount sports they're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Lockdown Bets wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so Michigan State hangs tough on the road against a really good Iowa team. And Iowa's fifth in Ken Palm adjusted efficiency. They have the number one offense now. After that game, they just jumped over um, Gonzaga just by a little bit. And their 125.6 would be like the sixth best ever, if I'm remembering correctly. Like they're one of the best offenses. Now their defense, not so much. Not a good defense. They're 118th in defense after that game. They dropped from 94th to 118th. That's what happens when Michigan State puts points on you. Anyway. Spartans are still sitting at 62nd. They didn't go up or down, and I, th- I figured that would be uh, about the case. Maybe uh, up a little bit, but nah, they stayed right the same. You've got Nebraska at home this Saturday. Penn State at home Tuesday after that. Iowa at home on February 13th. Purdue on the road. Indiana on the road. Ohio State home. Maryland away. Michigan home. You've got an Illinois home game to reschedule in there. And you've got a Michigan road game to reschedule in there as well. And there's one more. I'm totally forgetting. Ah, crap. Maybe Penn State? Doesn't matter. Anyway. I think with the team we saw tonight, last night, as you're listening to this, that's kind of close to the version of this team I think we all thought we were going to get. Like, if I pulled you aside in December and been like, hey, Michigan State's going to go to Iowa at the beginning of February when they play them. They're going to hang tough, go punch for punch, and Iowa's just going to pull it out at the end. You would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Iowa's really good. Michigan State's pretty good. You know, they could hang with a team like that. Yeah, that makes sense. To do that... Coming off three straight losses, coming off six losses in your last eight, just absolute free fall as a team, um, I thought was a somewhat impressive performance and in line with what we expected this team to kind of be, right? If we think Iowa's a a fringe Final Four team, which I'm good with that, Final Four-ish, Elite Eight, you know, teams with bad defenses usually run into some issues in the tournament, especially if shots aren't going down. It would not shock anyone if a team of Iowa's quality, we'll say, not Iowa, because they just always lose, but a team of Iowa's quality could be a Final Four team for sure, right? And we kind of thought coming into the season, hey, maybe Michigan State's a Sweet 16 team, right? Fifth place, sixth place in the Big Ten, second tier, second tier team, still good, not quite great. Second weekend, see you later, nice season, right? That type of team, a Sweet 16 team, goes to Iowa and loses by a few points. Makes a few mistakes, hits some big shots, makes some big plays, 
hangs tough, but ultimately ends up losing because they're just not as good as Iowa, right? That's that's kind of what we got, and that's what we expected from this team. So if they can replicate that quality, and maybe not necessarily the same performance, Iowa's a unique team with how loaded they are on offense and how much they struggle on defense, but if they can replicate that quality, how hard they played, how well they shot, the the ball movement was so much better. You know, the rebounding was hit or miss, but again, Iowa can hit the offensive glass. Like, if they can just overall play at that level, they're going to crush Nebraska. They'll have a good shot to beat Penn State, a really good shot. They should beat Penn State at home. They're going to welcome in Iowa at home. I'm not going to say that's a coin flip, but that's like 65-35, 60-40. If these two teams play that same game again at the at the Breslin Center like maybe Iowa isn't quite as fortunate with the whistle shooting 35 freaking free throws right you could see that going the other way Purdue on the road Indiana on the road the team struggled on the road but those are two opponents that if Michigan State again if they play like they did against Iowa on the road they could go to Purdue and they could beat that team they can go to Indiana and they could beat that team they can welcome in Ohio State and compete with them theoretically beat them they can go to Maryland and beat that team and they could probably hang tough with Michigan as well what I'm saying is if Michigan State and I, I I'm not really sold that they're going to be able to could sort of replicate what they did in terms of overall quality of performance maybe they can revive their season here I don't think it's too late I I, I truly don't yeah they're eight and seven right now Beat Nebraska, beat Penn State, beat Iowa. Let's just say that happens, right? We're not counting on it, but let's say that happens. They are then 11-7 and seven with a win against a top-10 team, and, you know, Duke's okay. I think that's still a quad one win. I don't know. Duke just lost. And then the home win against Rutgers is starting to look better again as they have rounded back into form and are now 500 in the Big Ten. So you could have three nice little wins there. Penn State at home as well. Penn State's been running back into form. They've won three of their last four. They just beat Wisconsin. Although I think they're losing to Wisconsin right now. Anyway, then you've got one, two, three, four, five games. Two of them are going to be against highly ranked teams. Purdue's maybe going to be ranked. They're just back into the top 25. You know, they're all going to be, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Michigan State has seven A matchups left in Ken Palm, one B matchup. And then Nebraska doesn't qualify for anything. Like They're going to have a chance to get three, four quad one wins by the end of the season. And if they're able to do that, like if they play like they just did, they'll finish, I don't know, 13-10, and 14-9. And, and I think that'll get them in. Especially, like, we'll see what happens in the Big Ten tournament because whatever beat Penn State or Nebraska in the first round, beat Northwestern in the first round, and then you get another chance to get another quality victory uh, against the Purdue and Indiana and Illinois um, or whatever, Wisconsin. There are still games left. There's still enough time for them to figure this out. They absolutely have to win their next two, I think. And then from there, in their last six games, if you can go four and two, I think that can get you in. I think I think that can get you in. That'll get you thirteen and nine. And I think that gets them in. Thirteen and nine. Slightly below five hundred in conference play. I, I think I think there's a path. Now, I'm not totally sold that they're gonna be able to play to that level. 
But we we know it's in there. At least we saw it. At least we saw it. It would have been much nicer to win because had they won that game, I think they're right back on the bubble. I think they're probably going from next four out to first or last four in. I think that would have been monumental. But they showed they could do it. And we hadn't seen them play that well in a long time. Like this is a really a struggling, struggling bad team. Had been a bad basketball team for a month. They went to Iowa, hung tough, threw some big punches, and very easily could have come out of there with a win. And we don't do moral victories, but we can at least acknowledge steps in the right direction. And that certainly was a step in the right direction. And this is like it. This is the last stand backs against the wall. Now or never, guys. At least they showed it. Maybe they can continue it. Hopefully, a couple confidence builders beat Nebraska, beat Penn State. Then you welcome in Iowa at home. If you beat them, you're back in the tournament, winning three in a row. Got winnable games down the stretch and could somehow salvage this thing, which I didn't think was going to happen. I thought they were going to lose like 95 to 68 or something, 90 to 68 against Iowa. So they certainly outperformed my expectations and I think a lot of our expectations. All right, that'll do it for us here on Lockdown Spartans. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. We are going to finally talk about some football things. Got a new commit, signing day. Uh, We didn't even do a signing day primer, but We'll see, does Rayshon Benny stick with MSU? Did he stick with MSU? Keon Coleman, I don't think that's going to happen if it hasn't already happened. Anything else? Surprise, anything? So we'll do a little signing day recap if there's uh, notable stuff to go over, and then we can talk about Traverse Tillman, Tyrell Henry. Michigan State got some crystal balls for some new recruits over the last few days. Really a lot of things going on right now. So we'll get back to football tomorrow, and then Friday we will preview Michigan State and Nebraska. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember to uh, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. You can find Lockdown Spartans wherever you get your podcast. Go Green.